start uh, as we pray. Uh, so let's, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we come to your word now and we thank you for it. And as we have heard it read, we now ask that that will become words that you speak to us. Help us to understand, help us to know what you have said, help us to grow in it, and help us to show the world what it means for us to be your people. And so, Father, I ask that you will speak to us this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 15. Uh, in, in 2006... Uh, ooh, right. In 2006, The Secret uh, was released uh, into bookshops all around the world. Uh, and thanks to Oprah Winfrey, the book made 300 million US dollars in sales by 2009. So, what is The Secret? Well, The Secret is if you think positively, uh, you can achieve your goals. It's another self-help book filling the shelves of people uh, looking for the secret to the good life. The world is looking for the secret. They look to books like The Secret. They eat healthy and exercise, which is fine. People try and make money any way, anyhow. Make money, make friends. They try and being part of the cool group or the in crowd. People try all sorts of things to be, to find the good life. What do people want though? They want hope. They want this life to mean something. They want this life to be worth living. They want to make a difference. They want to matter to someone. They want to be loved. They want hope. What about Christians? What about God's people? Well, what Jesus says to, he, to us today speaks into this. But let's, let's set the scene. Uh, it's Passover, uh, and it's one of the major Jewish festivals. Uh, and it's time for Jesus to return back to the Father. It's time for Jesus to go back to heaven. So what does Jesus do? Well, he starts telling his disciples how to live when he's gone. And it's like he's sharing the secret to the Christian life. But it's not what you expect. Right? We see in chapter 13 that Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Uh, and then he tells them to do the same. He tells them to depend on the Holy Spirit to help them find the way to know the truth and experience life. We saw that in chapter 14. So let's see what Jesus has to say to his disciples today. And you know what? I don't think it's much of a secret at all. So what is the secret? I am. Jesus says, I am. Jesus is the secret. But that shouldn't surprise us, should it? This isn't the first time we've heard this. When you read through John, Jesus repeats himself over and over again. I am to help people understand who he is. He met a Samaritan woman at a well and he said to her, I am 
is speaking to you. He walked on the Sea of Galilee in the storm and the disciples thought he was a ghost. They're scared and he says to them, I am. Do not be afraid. What else does he say? Well, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Jesus said to Martha when her brother died, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus told his disciples just last week, we heard he's going away and he said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. Why does he keep saying, I am? Because Jesus is more than just another person giving us self-help advice. He's not just giving us tips for a better life. Jesus says, I am. In the book of Exodus, we have a story where God saves the Israelites from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. And he chooses Moses to deliver his people. And Moses asks God, who do I say sent me? Who do I tell, what do I tell them? What is your name. And God says, I am who I am. What does Jesus say? He says, I am. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that he's the same God as the God in the Exodus who saved the Israelites from slavery. Jesus wants People to know that he's going to save people just like God does in the Exodus. And what does Jesus say today? He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, if Jesus is the true vine, that means there must be a false vine. If there's a true vine, there must be a false vine. What's he talking about? Well, to his disciples, it should be obvious might not be so obvious to us. But we read things like this in Hosea. Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself. As his fruit increased, he built more altars. As his land prospered, he adorned his sacred stones. The vine is Israel, the people of Israel, planted by God the Father, the gardener. God planted Israel to be a blessing to the nations. That was God's promise to Abraham. Israel was God's chosen people to be a light to the world so that the world might know God. Instead, as God blessed them, they turned to other gods. The vine became corrupt and wild, Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the new Israel. I will be a blessing to all people and help them see God and know God. What do gardeners do with bad branches? They cut them off. And that's what God does with his people. He cuts off the branches that do not bear fruit. We see that in verse 2. And then what do they, does he do in verse 6? He throws them into the fire. The branches that do not bear fruit, he prunes 
so they will continue to be fruitful. Now, not all branches are bad, even among the people of Israel. Not all of them will be cut off. They don't get cut off, they get pruned. Or in other words, they get cleaned up. All right, Jesus cleans them up. And that's what he says to his disciples. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus said the same back when he wrote, uh, washed their feet. Back in chapter 13, when Jesus washes their feet, he says, you are already clean. How does he prune or clean his people? By speaking the word to them. And what is that? Well, I think John says it best. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The words of Jesus are the good, is the good news of God's love and plan of salvation. And that's why John wrote this gospel. That's why he writes these words. So that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you may have life in his name. By believing in Jesus, who is the living word, believing in his words, the disciples and all who believe in Jesus are saved and find eternal life through him. Those are Jesus' words. But faith and salvation in Jesus isn't just about you. It's not individual. It's not just a personal thing. And we don't see it clearly in English here. But when Jesus says, you are already clean, and I remain in you, he's speaking to all of them. He's speaking to the group. Now, if you really know Australian slang, this is what Jesus is saying. Yous are already clean. Remain in me as I remain in yous. See, Jesus wants our faith and salvation to happen in relationship with each other. It needs other people. To Jesus, it doesn't make sense for people to be isolated or lonely. Yes, it happens. But that's not what Jesus wants. And I say it a lot, and I'll say it again. We can't do the Christian life alone. We need each other to walk with Jesus. We need each other to know God more. To grow deeper in our faith and to show the world how great God's love is. We can't do it alone. Why is COVID so hard for people? Because we're not together. It's a lot harder to help each other know God when we don't connect with each other. It's a lot harder to encourage each other in our faith when we're just watching a TV screen. It's a lot harder to show the world God's love when we can't do it together. Because we show our love when we're together. But even without COVID, if we don't walk together, if we don't share God's words together, if we don't pray together, if we don't help each other walk with Jesus, then we're just a bunch of Christian friends, just a social club. So the first secret to the Christian life is this. 
we need to remind each other that we belong to Jesus. We need to walk with Jesus together. We need each other. We can't do this alone. So how do we do it? How do we walk together? Well, Jesus says the only way for a branch to bear fruit is to remain in the vine. To remain connected to the vine. So the same is true for Jesus' disciples. Verse 4, it's the only way to bear fruit. Right? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What happens if you don't remain in Jesus? Well, like a bad branch, it's cut off. It's thrown away and it dies. It's picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. It doesn't sound very nice. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? Well, this word remain means to stay, to live, to continue. Some Bibles use the word abide. I think of it like going on a road trip with Jesus. Jesus says, stay in the car. Just stay in the car with me and you'll be fine. There might be a few bumps along the way, but stick with me and you'll be fine. He'll share his stories about life. He might even teach us a few songs. But he says, stay in the car. What does it look like in real life, though? Well, Jesus says two things. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 7 and verse 9. Jesus wants us to stick with him. Jesus wants us to stick to God's word. And to stick to his love. But it's not just about reading the Bible or memorizing Bible verses. What did Jesus say before? You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You need to let God's word clean you or prune you. You need to let God's word get rid of anything that will stop you from growing and bearing fruit for God. It makes me think of what uh, the words of Hebrews. Chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's going to hurt. But why does the gardener prune the branches? Back in verse 2. So that it will be even more fruitful. Remember that Jesus loves us. He doesn't use his words to hurt us, but to help us grow, to be more fruitful. He loves us and he's going to remain with us. He's going to stay with us. He's going to stick with us. And he wants us to remain and stick with him. Now, Jesus says something really interesting here. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you? That's amazing. I'm going to ask Jesus for a big house, a fast car, and lots of money. 
Maybe not. What does Jesus say? He says, if you remain in me and my, my words remain in you, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. See, I think this is what Jesus is really saying. If you stick with me, if you stay with me and let my words change you and grow you, then you'll want the same thing as me. You'll want everyone to know God's love and how amazing He is. And so you'll pray that everyone in the world will know God's love and how amazing God is. And if that's what you pray, then I'm going to make it happen. See, it's all about Jesus. It always is. But Jesus wants us to experience how good it is as well. And why does he tell us all of these things? Verse 11, so that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be complete. He wants us to experience joy, his joy. He wants us to know what life with him is like. So here's the second secret to the Christian life. Stick with Jesus. Remain with Jesus. Continue with Jesus. Let his word and love clean and prune your heart. Get rid of anything that gets in the way of knowing and growing in him and experiencing his joy. Remember, we can do this together. We can share God's words with each other. We can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. We can even correct and rebuke each other in love. And as God's word and his love cleans and prunes us, we'll be more fruitful. But what is this fruit? What is this fruit? Jesus says we will glorify God. The world will know God because we bear fruit. And this will show that we're his disciples. How do we show we're Jesus' disciples? By loving one another. He said this back in, when he washed their feet. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the fruit that shows we're Jesus' disciples is our love for one another. And that's why he commands us here. Love each other as I have loved you. Verse 12. Do you know what the greatest kind of love is? Well, Jesus tells us. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friend. In Melbourne, there is the Shrine of Remembrance. It's a memorial to remember the people who have died in the war. And in the middle is a sanctuary. And it says these words, Greater love hath no man. On Remembrance Day, the 11th of November at 11 a.m., sunlight comes through a hole in the roof and shines on the word love. And no doubt people fought in the war to ensure and protect the freedom and safety of their loved ones, their family and their friends. But see, Jesus does something a little bit different. You see, just at the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Soldiers at war fought for the people they loved, their family and friends. They would lay down their lives for their fellow soldiers. But here's the radical thing. Jesus lays down His life for the ungodly, for the sinner, for His enemies. The people who reject Him, the people who want nothing to do with Him, Jesus lays down His life for you and me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What did Jesus say love is? To lay down one's life for one's friends. How does that work? How can we be sinners and enemies of God and Jesus' friends? That makes no sense. Sinners are His enemies. They don't want to be His friends. How does Jesus die for His friends? Well, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. But why would sinners, why would ungodly people, why would the enemies of God do what he commands? Why would I choose to obey Jesus if I'm his enemy? Well, Jesus says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. It means that Jesus chooses ungodly people, sinners and his enemies to be his friends. He chooses you and me. We don't deserve his love, but he chooses you and me to be his friends. And that is true love. This is what the love of Jesus is, turning an enemy into a friend. Not a servant, not a slave. We don't become God's servants. He doesn't conquer us. No, He makes us His friend. And because we're His friends, He shares everything with us. He shares what He has learned from God the Father and He has made it known to us. Verse 15. I don't know if this happens anymore. Um, kids, you, you can tell me later if this happens anymore. But I remember at school, we used to play games, team games at school, and and the teacher would tell two students to pick their teams. Well, what would happen? Well, they would always pick their friends and their favorite people to be on their team. And the kid that's chosen last was usually not very good at games or sport, or very not very popular. But here's the thing. Jesus chooses the least popular kid. Jesus chooses the kid who's not very good at anything to be on his team. But there's more. Jesus says, I appointed you, I chose you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Jesus doesn't just choose you to be on his team. He chooses you to score goals for him. He chooses you to be the striker, the goal scorer. How does he do that? How do you do that? By loving each other. 
We bear fruit by loving each other. Now, someone's going to say, that's too hard. I can't do that. But what did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus doesn't leave his disciples on their own. No, he gives them the Holy Spirit to help them. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can love each other. But only with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. Remember what Jesus said at the beginning. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without staying and sticking with Jesus. So here's the third one. Here's the third secret. It's not all up to you. It's not up to you to love everyone. It's with the help of Jesus. It's sticking with Jesus. It's remaining with Him and the help of the Holy Spirit that He gives us. Remember, He chooses you and He's going to help you score goals. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live the Christian life together and love each other. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And the only way that we can live the Christian life is by remaining in Him. Sticking with Him. Living with Him. Continuing with Him. But we can't do it alone. We need to do this together. Because we can't always be strong. Not all of us can do it on our own. Actually, no one can do it on our own. Right? We need to do this together. And how do we do that? By letting the Word of God cleanse us and prune us so that we might be more fruitful. We need to speak God's words to each other. Remind each other of the good news of the gospel. Pray for each other. And if it's really tough, sometimes we need to correct or even rebuke each other in love. But we do that in love. We do that together. But it also means that we share the hard stuff with each other. Right? We need to share our burdens and struggles with each other. We can't help each other if we don't know that we need help. Okay? If I can put it a different way, it's actually unloving not to share with each other. It's unloving to keep your burden and your struggle to yourself. Because what are you saying? You're saying you don't need anyone. It means that you don't need Jesus. You don't need His help. The first step to loving each other starts by understanding that actually we all need help. We're all sinners. And we all need help to live this life that Jesus chooses us to live. And you know what? Jesus, uh, God says these words. And He says it to Paul. God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Not in strength, in weakness. Therefore, what do we do? Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's 
power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's only when we uh, know that we are weak, that we know each other, know that we are all weak, that God can work in us, that the Holy Spirit works in us to love each other. And when we love each other this way, God will be glorified. And then the world will see what the love of God is and how good God is. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know that they are loved. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know that Jesus died for their sins. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know they can find true and lasting hope. See, the secret to the Christian life is no secret at all. God sent Jesus to reveal the way for us to live this life in love. By going to the cross and dying for his enemies, for the ungodly, for sinners, for you and me, he makes us his friends. We need to stick with Him. That's all we need to do. Remain in Him. Stay with Him. Live with Him. Continue in Him together. We remain with Jesus. We stick with Jesus together. So what's the secret? Jesus says, I am. That's the secret. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are the great I am. Nothing will ever change who you are because you are the I am, which means you will never change. You will always be good. You will always be faithful. You will always keep your promises. And you show us that you keep your promise by sending Jesus to us. And Jesus says, I am. I am the vine. And all we need to do is stay connected to that vine. To remain in Him, stick with Him, connect with Him, continue with Him, live in Him. And let His Word change and clean and prune us. So we ask that you will do that. Help us to hear your words, to grow in your words, to know your Word, so that it will clean our hearts, that it will prune all the stuff that gets in the way of living for you but also help us to do that together. Don't let us do that alone. Help us to do that together. Because we can do that by encouraging and supporting one another. So help us as a church to do that. Help us to stick with Jesus. But also help us to show the world your love by loving one another. Especially in this time. Help us to love each other more than we ever have. Better than we ever have so that we can show the world how good you are and how great your love is. So Jesus, we want to thank you that you showed us what love is by dying on the cross for us and making us your friends. Not your slaves, not your servants, but your friends. And We thank you. And so we ask that you would help us to remember these things, to grow in these things, so that we can show the world how good you really are and how much you love them. And so we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.